Slava Isus Augustus, Slava Navika, glory be to Jesus Christ, glory be forever. This is Father Basil again, doing another podcast and talking about this catechism called Love is Our Mission, The Family Fully Alive, from the World Meeting of Families that happened in Philadelphia in 2015. So I've been reading from this document and I will continue reading it for probably a couple of weeks, little sections every day. And uh, this section that I'm going to be reading today is called um, The Mission of Love. The Bible is not sentimental about marital love. The marriage between God and his people can be rocky. God's relationship with Israel is described using the metaphors of betrothal and marriage. So when God's people sin, our waywardness becomes a kind of adultery and prostitution. In Hosea, God's love for Israel puts him in the position of a betrayed husband with a faithless bride. As God says to Hosea, Go love a woman who has a lover and is an adulteress, just as the Lord loves the people of Israel, though they turn to other gods. When the people of God forget his commands or neglect the poor in their midst, seek security from alien powers or turn to false gods, then adultery and prostitution are exactly the right words for the infidelity. Yet God remains steadfast. Reflecting recently on Ezekiel 16, Pope Francis noted how God speaks words of love even when Israel is unfaithful. Israel sins, Israel forgets, Israel prostitutes herself, pursuing false gods. But God will not abandon his covenant people. Repentance and forgiveness are always possible. God's mercy means that he seeks Israel's good even as she flees him. For the Lord has called you like a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, like the wife of a man's youth when she is cast off, says our God. For a brief moment I abandoned you, but with greater compassion I will gather you with everlasting love. I will have compassion on you. God perseveres in love for his people, even when we fall, even when we insist on trying to live without him. In like manner, Christian love involves much more than emotion. It includes the erotic and affective, but it is also a choice. Love is a mission that we receive, a disposition that we accept, a summons to which we submit. This kind of love has dimensions we discover as we yield to it. This kind of love seeks and follows God, whose covenant fidelity teaches what love is. God never discards Israel for a more appealing partner, nor is he deterred by rejection, deterred by rejection. He is never fickle. He wills only the best, the true and ultimate good for his people. And while his love for Israel is passionate with desire, no one reading the prophets can deny that, 
this erotic aspect to divine love is always leavened with God's sacrificial fidelity. God's eros always integrates with his compassion and patience. So this next section is called Marriage, Love, and Christ's Sacrifice on the Cross. God's love is captured vividly in Ephesians 5, where St. Paul extends the marriage analogy to Christ and the Church. Paul urges both husbands and wives to be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Christian marriage is therefore not a negotiation over rights and responsibilities, but rather a description of mutual self-giving. It is far more radical than mere egalitarianism. Paul does write that the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. But what does this mean in context and in practice? Paul calls husbands to a self-giving love that mirrors Christ's sacrifice on the cross, undermining machismo and exploitation, and in profound contrast to other household codes in the ancient world, Paul teaches a dynamic in the image of God. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for him, for her. Drawing on Ephesians 5, the church speaks of marriage as a sacrament, and summons couples to this kind of cruciform, self-sacrificial communion. Jesus enables Christians to speak confidently about God's love. He opens up God's covenant to all people, completing Israel's history as a universal narrative of redemption. Jesus embodies life-giving love because he is literally God's word made flesh. He loves the church as his bride. And this unselfish love, proven in blood on the cross, sets the model for the kind of mutual love and service needed within every Christian marriage and family. As Pope Benedict taught, by contemplating the pierced side of Christ, we can understand God is love. It is there that this truth can be contemplated, it is from there that our definition of love must begin. In this contemplation, the Christian discovers the path along which his life and love must move. For many today, love is little more than a warm feeling or physical attraction. These things have their place. But real love, love that endures and deepens and satisfies the human heart over a lifetime, grows from what we give to others, not what we take for ourselves. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for our salvation. That kind of radical liberating capacity to abandon our prerogatives and give ourselves to others is the thread that unites all Catholic teaching on marriage and the family. Authentic Catholic teaching on marriage and the family separates true love from all counterfeits. Scripture has many com complementary and overlapping ways of describing God's love, but marriage is foremost among them. The covenant between God and his people, first Israel and then the church, is like a marriage. This marriage is not always easy, 
<coughs> but human sin never has the last word. God's fidelity reveals what true love and fidelity look like. Jesus Christ, who welcomes all of us into membership in God's family, gives us a new and unexpected definition of love, giving us new possibilities for living. So here are some questions for my listeners to reflect upon tonight as or today as you listen to this podcast. Why is God's love like a marriage? How is God's way of loving different from our human way of loving? What is true love and how do you recognize it? What are some similarities and differences between your culture's notion of romantic love and God's covenant love? Can you think of a time when God's love helped you to love in a more honest and better way? So what a beautiful way of remembering that Christ's sacrifice on the cross is how our marriage should be to our partner, self-sacrifice, commitment, and love for each other forever and ever. God bless you. Have a good evening.